0: And then they've been telling Sean, we like what you guys are doing. We want to partner with you doing more stuff. We have more money budgeted next year and more money to give away. Tell us, we'll give you some more money. Oh, hey, why don't you let us give? Why don't you let us help pick out the stuff that you're doing? Why don't you let us help do that? It's amazing how the principle works. Amen? And so this month we've been talking about standing fast in liberty. And a couple of weeks ago I shared the, uh, in, in, the, in, in the message was connecting sin to debt. Sin is a debt that can never be repaid. It can only be forgiven. You need to remember that. Never forget that. Sin, transgression, is a debt that can never be repaid. It can only be forgiven. If I do something that offends you, then how much do I have to pay to earn your forgiveness? If you and I were friends and I did something that offended you, what would be the cost of my penance to be restored? What price would you put on that? If you let me borrow your car and I brought it back with trash all over in it, empty, covered in mud, and I just trashed your car. And then I said, oh, man, thank you. I really needed that. That was really a blessing. How many know you might not ever let me touch your car again? (laughs) Amen. But in the same point, you would be mad at me. How many would agree? You would be offended at the way I respected your property and, and responded to your kindness. Now, let me ask you this. What would I have to do in order for you to forgive me and not affect our relationship? Wash it, take the trash out, do whatever. Do that for six months, even with your stuff. (laughs) I mean, know what I'm saying. And so when it comes to offense, when it comes to sin, sin is a transgression against a person Or against God. When somebody uh, Jesus said, "Pray like this: Forgive those who are in debt. That forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who are indebted to us." He's not talking about finances there. He's talking about our sins. Forgive us. Luke says, "Forgive us our transgressions, as we forgive those who transgress against us, trespass against us, cross that line with us." So we forgive. So sin is a debt that can never be repaid it can only be forgiven and many times when you hold that to yourself when you hold a person in debt now listen the bible says that a borrower is servant to the lender so you are holding that person in servitude to you through their sin how many would like it if god did that to you that doesn't, that, we wouldn't like that, do we? Anytime we feel convicted, we, we immediately ask God for forgiveness. What does he do? He forgives us. Amen? And so with it, we're talking about learning how to live free. The number one thing that the enemy uses to bring God's people into bondage and back into slavery to sin this whole month has been on. We've been focusing on liberty. Sean did such a great job last week on preaching on being free from our past. The devil brings up the guilt and the condemnation of your past. Amen. But we have to remember that when we are forgiven, the way to stay in freedom is to live free and to share and exercise that same freedom to others amen now let me just say this when it comes to forgiving somebody you can forgive me and if I treated your property like that wisdom would be don't loan me your car again I mean know what I'm saying and so forgiveness and, and and I say this when we teach in 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 our uh, the encounter weekend forgiveness and, not, and restoration doesn't mean fully restored access I can forgive somebody and I can restore somebody, but I don't have to bring them back to that full place of access in my life where I am again a victim or a prey. Do you understand that? That that isn't what that means. But what it means is that I have a clear heart and a clear conscience towards them and towards God. God, I do not hold this at their charge. I forgive them, I release them, but wisdom says don't give them that same level of access unless they have proved themselves. In, in an area like that, there's areas that have been of abuse and other things like that. So it's so important that you understand that because if I don't, now I am holding debt. Mark 11, Jesus said like this, when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. Or in other words, release those debts that are against you. Somebody is indebted to you, release those debts that are against you. Now it's important because this affects every area of our life. And what you sow is what you reap. If you're sowing, holding that often and you're doing, then you wonder, how come all my, how come there's so much conflict and confusion in relationships in my life? Because you're reaping what you're sowing. We're doing all right. I'm reaping what I'm sowing, and, and I'm sharing this because sometimes it seems like such a little thing. Well, this is just between me and this person. It doesn't affect anybody else, but that's not what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It says, beware lest there be in any of you a root of bitterness, something that seems small, because seems it will eventually spring up. And at the end of this message, here in a moment, you're going to see an illustration. It will eventually spring up and defile many. It was just something so small, but eventually that thing will spring up and defile many. And we'll go into areas and re- and, 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 and reach into relationship that we never wanted it to go to. And we'll wonder how come these things are deteriorating because... Offense is like a cancer. Years ago, when I taught, I don't know why the Holy Spirit's having me go this way right here, but years ago, I taught on, on, on forgiveness and release. And when I studied on it, when, when the Lord first showed me, it was Ahithophel, who was Bathsheba's uh, grandfather, and he got offended at David for killing Uriah. And he was David's counselor. He was in David's court. He was a, a, a very respected, wise man who gave counsel to the king. Well, when David sinned against Uriah and with Bathsheba and against Uriah, David literally had Uriah killed by putting him to the front of, uh, of, of the line and having him executed to cover his sin of adultery and conceiving this child with Bathsheba. Well, Hithophel finds out about it all and he gets offended at David for his conduct towards Uriah. How many know that David did nothing to Ahithophel? Are you with me? He didn't do anything to him. But Ahithophel is offended on behalf of somebody else. He's offended at David for his conduct towards somebody else. Now, I know nobody in here has ever got offended at anybody for what they did to somebody else. You, you stay out of everybody else's business. You never take sides in anything. Well, you don't. Well, bless God, that's wrong. They shouldn't have treated them that way. I'll tell you one thing. I'll never do business with the game. I heard what they did. Well, wait a minute. They've never done anything to you and you're torqued off at them. And now you picked up somebody else's offense. And now you're offended. Now you're holding that person in debt who doesn't even know you, has never been engaged with you, is not even in the picture. But now you've thrown yourself into this thing, and then you wonder why some other things are falling apart. Where'd the favor of God go? Where'd the peace of God go in my life? Are we doing all right? We're just talking about being free. And stand. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Doing all right? I think I quoted it pretty close. That's pretty much where I have you there, Galatians 5.1. But stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Do not allow yourself to be brought back into and entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Amen? So don't allow that to happen. So how do I do that? Guarding your heart. In that. So Ahithophel takes his whole counsel, goes to Absalom, conducts the whole overthrow of Absalom's kingdom and, and, and gives counsel to Absalom in this thing. And then when Absalom comes into the city, the first thing he tells Absalom, you go up in the tower and you commit adultery with your dad's wives, with your father's wife. Go do to your father what he did to my granddaughter. Are you with me? And, so he count, and, and then he begins to give uh, Absalom counsel on, on how to overcome David and destroy David. Well, God exposes his counsel against David. And when hit, when hit fell finds out that his counsel has been exposed and the, 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 the bitterness of his heart has been revealed in what he's doing, the Bible says that the man goes home and hangs himself. Wow. So when I was studying that, this is what the Lord showed me. He said, offense is a wound. That if it becomes infected with bitterness, will produce death. Ahithophel allowed himself to become wounded with offense against David. He stewed over and stewed over till that thing became infected with bitterness, and it literally produced his death. In your life and mine, people I've watched in all these years, Pastor Mike Lasky could, could, could validate with me. He's been a pastor much longer than I have in that. But in the 34 years of my experience, I've seen time and time again people get offended, get infected with bitterness, and the next thing that happens is they commit spiritual suicide. Amen. You don't see them anymore. They fall out of fellowship with God. They do everything they have. They have all kinds of things. But their spiritual life is dead. Are you with me this morning? And you probably know some people who have gotten offended at life and gotten offended at life. And out of that offense, it, it, there's been a death sentence upon their life. Just that deadness and that dryness. So how do we defeat that? We just have to be wise. Amen. Look at the cover of your uh, of your outline and I put this in here in 1st Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at this verse. In fact, let me just say this as we were in worship there the spirit of God just quickened this to my memory. How many now that you're a little older than you were when you were a teenager, how many teens in here this morning that I looking at? But but in this some of our young people in the back, but but in this area how many of your perspective has changed in the last 10 years about life? You thought about certain things, but now in 10 years, things have changed. Look at what happened. They sent that satellite out to Pluto, and before it was Pluto, they got to Pluto. Uh, You know, it's just some little blob up there. It doesn't deserve to be called a planet. We'll we'll demote it. And And so it took 10 years for that satellite to get there. But then when it gets there and they actually start getting pictures, oh, this is nothing like we thought it was. How many found out that over 10 years, some of the things you've come across are nothing like you thought they were 10 years ago? And so it's important that we remain flexible in our understanding of things, in that, and that we understand, as Sean was saying earlier, God's will for us is that we win this race that we are in. You're in a race, you're in a marathon, and I like what Dave Ramsey said: wealth accumulation, doing that, is not a sprint. There's no way to sprint and get out of debt. It's a marathon. You're gonna to have to. Work. One, you didn't accumulate it in one afternoon, unless you were just really crazy. We accumulate things over time. And if we turn the process around, when you start doing things over time, it changes everything. Amen? Whether it's negative or whether it's positive. So we can sow the seeds that will change things with time. 1 Corinthians 9.25 is on the cover of your outline. Therefore, I run thus. Not with uncertainty. Thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body. And I bring it into what? subjection or take authority over my body lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified that word disqualified there literally means rejected cast away wow So Paul said, this is what I'm doing. I'm paying attention so that I'm running in such a way that after I help everybody else, I don't end up rejected and cast off. I I, I put part of this in here. I found this quote by by Ronald Reagan, and he said this about freedom because this month has been about freedom. So for our confession, the first part here is just his statement. I want you to, you can follow with me and look at it. And then we'll say the last segment there is our confession. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. That's where our nation is today. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We did not pass it to our children in the bloodstream of their DNA. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to them to do the same. Amen. Now that is our religious freedom, that is our national freedom everywhere. Freedom is something that must be preserved. And that's what I talked about the last few weeks, that we have what, what we do not preserve and protect through persistence, we will lose through complacency. And in your walk, in my walk, there's something that we must be so diligent about our walk with God. In America Day, we have become the nation of casual. We're doing all right? We are the nation of casual, but the devil is not casual. How many of you know if you went to the doctor and he said you had cancer? Uh, Don Frucci just went through a thing. We've been praying for him, and he just had this—he he, he had cancer in his. Uh, uh, his in his thyroid, and, 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 and now some of it was in some of his lymph nodes and stuff. So they inject him. They, they didn't go, oh, that's nice just go home and take a few aspirin, you know, and, and it'll be good. And No, th- this thing is attacking him. It, it, it's on a cellular level. And it's microscopy is detected. And it's on cell- but this thing is attacking his body. And if left unchecked, if you are not aggressive with it, If left unchecked, it will literally consume and destroy your life. And it will spread throughout every organ of your body. And stay with me. And so what do they do? They give him the stuff and they actually make the dude radioactive. And he has to be such a severe attack. They did such an aggressive attack to kill it to save his life. Are you listening to me this morning? To save his life, they had to be aggressive. They could not be casual. They had to be aggressive. And the Word of God is not casual when it comes to understanding that you are in a conflict with an adversary. And people think many times, well, pastor, why do you preach the way you do? Because I'm fully aware that there is a spiritual adversary against your life that wants nothing more than to see you with him in hell for all of eternity. The devil has one goal, to take you to hell. That's his goal, and he is not casual about taking you with him. He says, "I am going down, and I'm taking as many with." I mean, look, look, look at the spirit of the devil. Look, look at the demonic spirit. We just had another shooting in Louisiana, where a man who is deranged in his mind, who is under demonic influence, you, you don't, you're not just naturally not casual. It's like the guy they're saying that shot in the Colorado shooting. They're trying to sentence him. We say he's not sane. Absolutely, he's not sane. Same people don't go in and shoot people. You're under the influence. Your, your mind has been twisted. Are you listening to me? And so with that, but, but that goes in and it attacks and it kills. And then after they've taken as many people with them as they can, they kill themselves. And so instead of just taking their own life, and, and, and don't misunderstand, suicide is tragic. It, 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 it's a spirit that causes people to end their own life. It's self-destructive. It is tragic. It needs to be combated. We need to be sensitive. We need to understand all the warning signs to try to help and to rescue people. Because it's not the will of God that anybody dies prematurely and never by their own hands. And so, but in, so there's something driving behind that. So the devil who knows he's going to hell chooses, I will not go alone. I will take you with me. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And so how we walk through life, we just get so casual. We get so relaxed. We go, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Everything is good. I'm fine. I I don't have to read. I don't have to pray. I don't have to go to church all the time. Why do I need to hear pastor preach? He gets so excited. He gets so intense. Life is just fine. It's good. Glory to God. And then all of a sudden we wake up and go, what is going on? Where did this come from? Your adversary, the devil, is going about seeking, looking for an opportunity to devour. So Paul says, I don't run casually. And so to protect your freedom, whether it's national freedom that Ronald Reagan was talking about, or our spiritual freedom, we have to be on the alert and on the attack. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. Say this with me. Father. Today I choose to fight with purpose and to stand fast in the liberty I have in Christ, to live and leave a legacy of freedom to my children. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've dealt with all this. Look at the inside of your outline. My introduction for this service has been longer than I thought it would, but somebody needed to hear what I'm saying about offense here this morning. Guard your heart, please, my friend. Proverbs 4. Guard your heart, I love it, Proverbs 4, above everything you guard and protect, guard your heart. Above everything, Proverbs 4 says, above everything you guard and you protect, guard your heart more. Because out of it flow the very issues of your life. Your heart is so important. So this morning I want to just take these last few moments and talk about never giving up the fight and living free. Think about this, when we allow sin to find its way into our lives, it makes us sensitive people in the wrong way. We become overly sensitive to anyone and anything that brings attention to our sin. We reflex, recoil, and draw back. How many of you have ever noticed that? It becomes, when things aren't right in my life or doing things right, and somebody comes up, hey, how you doing? I've noticed, you know, I'm just concerned, is everything all right? I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. People see something about your behavior and your normal pattern has changed. And then somebody comes along, could be your, your, your spouse, could be friends, could be family, somebody. But something about your behavioral pattern has changed. Something about your personality. And they come up and they're concerned about you. They want to try to help you. And the moment they do, you react sensitively back. You, you have a reflex. It's quiet this morning, praise the Lord. And we must be helping people. Amen. And so we reflect, recoil, and draw back. But when we're running our race to win, we want to be trained. We want to lose anything that will hinder us from winning said, so, man, I, I want to run a marathon and I want to win, win. Okay, how are you going to train? Well, I'm just going to buy some shoes and some running shorts and a tank top, and I'm going to pay my fee and get a number. I'm going to run the race. Okay, we'll meet you at the 250-yard marker with water and a stretcher because you won't make it even a 5K. You might be able to walk the marathon, but you will not run the marathon. You me know what I'm saying? And then even at that, you might not make the whole five miles if you haven't trained. And so in doing that, you have to put off the things that are hindering you. We are not looking for an excuse to fail or lose. We are running to win. It's just like this. This is what they found out. And and one reason the Financial Peace Seminar is set up the way it is, because unless you're willing to invest, you're not willing to change. Amen. But if you want to win, you invest to win. You invest. i will pay the price. It costs something to do that. To be trained. Watch this, and and we have this little clip. I want you to see that. I I, I found a very interesting uh, statement. And before you play that, Luke, I want to read this. Um. Zane Hahn gave me a bunch of his books, and I've just been having fun. I I find all these great treasures in there, and and I love old books and reading backwards. I I love reading backwards as much as I love reading current things. And uh, listen to this. In El Salvador, Central America, I was shown a sensitive plant, the Mismo Pudica. Mismo is a Greek word for mimic, alluding to its sensitiveness. Pudica is a Latin word meaning modest or bashful. When the leaves of the sensitive plant receive the slightest touch, the petiole falls and the leaves recoil as though wilted. Science does not as yet understand the cause of the strange phenomenon in nature. Many of them buy these things like pet plants and stuff for their kids because of the way it responds. So watch what happens. Go ahead, Luke. crazy <laughs> amen so if I ask you today how's your prayer life how's your relationships how's your marriage how's your finances how's your living how's your giving ooh, 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 ooh. today we have our, our recoil is this God knows my heart and then we recoil back who are you to judge me we have, all, we have all these recoil responses. How I many you know what I'm saying? And your response proves that you're sensitive in that area. Amen. If I'm not sensitive, then I'm honest and I'm open. When, when, when everything is right, you don't have any problem. D- David said like that, hey, t- go ahead, check out. I have nothing to hide. Amen. Are we doing okay? All right, so listen. There are many people whose actions are similar to the sensitive plant. They're referred to as being touchy. The smallest irritation wilts them. The least trouble causes them to droop. The most trivial inconvenience is a touch that causes them to languish. Have you ever noticed how torqued off people get if they have to wait 10 seconds for anything? Why is this taking so long? What's doing We're casual, but we are totally impatient with everything about life. Wow. Everyone around them has to be careful. For they cannot bear teasing. Or disagreement on any topic. Let me just say that if you don't like sarcastic humor and being teased, we will probably never be friends. Okay, I mean, there's lots of other people you can hang with, but you and I will probably never get along. And uh, if you don't like people laughing at you, I, we will definitely never get friends because I laugh at myself and I laugh at everybody. Say why? Because life is not that serious. Hello. Most of the stuff is not that serious. In fact, it's hilarious. <laughs> I was watching, and, and, and I love with our, our grandchildren and stuff and all the different things. And uh, In fact, Jamie picked up Jackson. She just came home Friday afternoon. I was holding, we were watching Veggie Tales, And so she picked him up. As soon as she picked him up, he just like hurled on her. I said, that is awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Who's that? I said, no, I know it's great. It was awesome. Amen. So anyway... Everyone around them has to be careful. They cannot bear teasing or disagreement on any topic. They are society's sensitive plan. If you are a human mimosa pudica, Christ can transform your delicate disposition into strong character with power and courage to face the vicissitudes of modern life bravely. Amen? Come on, you can be transformed. We should be people that can handle life. Look back at the cover of your outline. So let's run the race with patience that is set before us. We're told to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. We are told to run a race with patience. If we are already, if we are already guaranteed the finish line, why are we told to run it with patience? Amen? So we're in a charge. Both Paul and the writer to the Hebrews tells us to run our race to win. We have been told that we are in need of patience and endurance. We're told to hold fast. We've been told that those who endured through faith and patience received the promise. We're told to stand fast, hold fast, continue to the end. Wow. And I don't have, for time's sake, this morning, I don't have time. But if you'll go through and read those scripture references there in Hebrews, that's where they start. Let us consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus Christ, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Let us hold fast. Let, let, let's stand firm. Let, 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 let's not give up. Amen? and then Hebrews chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 12 are just powerful so I don't have time to read all those this morning last week Sean referenced this in the area of the nation of Israel and going into Joshua so I put it in your outline this morning because Joshua went up to Ahi and then Joshua's on his face and he's crying out to God God why did we fail why is this happening in my life what is going on God you brought us out I thought I was saved I thought everything was great God what's going on how come I I'm being defeated. How come we were overrun by what seems such an insignificant adversary against our life? How did that small thing get a victory over us, your great nation? Okay. Isn't that what he said? This was God's answer. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed thing and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it amongst their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have been doomed to destruction. This is God's answer. Joshua's crying out, God, why do we lose? This is what God said. Now look at: Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is a cursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Now people go, well, oh, pastor, that's the Old Testament, and we're not under law. No, sin is sin. And in the Christian's life, if it wasn't true, Christians wouldn't have the problems that they have. But sin, you you can write this down someplace, sin always breaks fellowship with God. God cannot condone sin, Old Testament or New Testament sin. That's why the Bible is filled with so many words. We're talking about how do I stay free? How do I stay free? How do I stand fast in the liberty? Stand fast in the liberty where with Christ has made you free and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The law came along to show us what transgression is so we would know what it is, so we know that we need to be safe from it. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says that consider the witnesses that are before you and run with patience the race that you have and laying aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets it. Every one of us in this room has a besetting sin. There are things that we gravitate to, things that we deal with, and things we're constantly trying to get over and different things. It, it has to do with areas in our personality, areas of influence in our life. But there are things, and we come back, and we go through it. I've done it all these years. That I've been saved. There's areas that I deal with. God, why am I like that in that area? And if I don't stay aggressive on it, it will become a besetting sin. Amen? A hindering sin. So God says to Israel here, there's some. Now, here's something that we don't even understand about God. And we don't understand even corporately as the church. One person sinned. And it affected the whole nation. Only one man did what God is talking about. Are you with me? Achan is the one who went in. And he took some of the stuff that out of Jericho, and brought it into his own possession, put it in his tent, had it among his stuff, under a rug in the corner of his tent in there. Nobody else, one man. And because of one man's transgression, the whole nation faced a defeat. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, hey, it's my life, I, my, it's me. I, my, I'm not affecting anybody else. My choices don't affect. No, 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 no. In your home, men, you're the head of your home. Your choices affect everyone in your house. We're doing okay? Is this all right this morning? And so in deal with that, we go, oh, wow, what about that? But then we think in there, what about in church? People come to church. Hey, it doesn't matter what I do in church. It doesn't matter if I'm this like that, if I'm this like that. How come people aren't getting healed? How come people are Paul says, hey, 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 hey. You guys in the church at Corinth, you have this thing, and you need to deal with that thing because it's affecting you corporately as the body of Christ. We're doing all right, and so we're talking about running to win. But if we, if we, listen, to what I said earlier, we become very casual, it's not that big of a thing. Was God very casual about this? No, he says, Thank you. So he brought everybody out, and he calls out this one guy, and then Achan, his family, his wife, and his children, everything gets destroyed. It's like, man, that's pretty severe. It is. And that's how serious this is. How do we stand fast? The number one ploy, the, the, another ploy, I don't want to say number one to everything, but one of the main ploys of the devil is for you and I not to take transgression seriously. To be going back to that being casual. If I'm casual, so how do I win? How do I claim? Can, can I just make positive confessions and not be aggressive against sin? What do you think? Can I just be positive, 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 and allow secret things to lie? Can I just hide things that God says don't touch, don't do? How many know the New Testament has a lot of things that tell us on how to live and conduct our lives? I'm just talking about living free. Now, when I preach like that, I tell about you live any way you want. Amen? It's not my life. My responsibility is to preach the gospel. Are we doing okay? And so today, we're not dealing with that, and we're not dealing with things the way we should. Dave Ramsey said something the other day. I I love this guy. And uh, I used to listen to Dr. Laura all the time because people call in about relationship, about things. And she'd just chew them out. People, oh, thank you so much. I said, how come when I do that, people leave the church? (laughs) Oh, Dr. Laura, she's the greatest. She just told you you were a stinking idiot. And you're doing the stupidest thing in your life, doing all da-da-da. And so Dave Ramsey, people call him, he goes, Man, you're stupid. That's stupid. Why are you doing that? And you're, you're an idiot, da da. But 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 he made a great statement, and talking, this lady was calling in, doing something. He's talking about parents being enablers. And he said that, that that eagles will kick their babies out of the nest at a certain age. They don't allow them to stay in the nest until they're 36 years old. He says an eagle that stays in the nest until it's 36 is no longer an eagle, it's now a turkey. He said, if you kick a turkey out of the nest, it will eventually fly. And after a few trips around, after it soars for a little while, it'll start start looking more like an eagle again. Amen? And so sometimes we don't always have to explain. When God says certain things, he doesn't always explain. And he said, talking about in dealing with children. And he made a great statement. He says, sometimes no, your children. We need to know and understand. Sometimes no is a complete sentence. It's just no. It doesn't need to know. Why? If you have to ask the question, you would not understand the answer. Are you doing all right? Because if if you don't have the wisdom to understand why it's no, you won't understand it if I explain. I've watched parents say to their children, Johnny, no. And then they try to explain. Johnny doesn't have a clue what they're talking about from that moment on. But they think they have this obligation to explain no to their child, that they have a lifetime of wisdom to know why they're saying no. But Johnny doesn't have any understanding why no. He just thinks he's being deprived of enjoying his fulfillment. Are we doing all right? Wow, how did we get into all this this morning? You guys needed some help this morning, praise the Lord. So Israel, now let me illustrate this way. Could you turn off all the lights, please? If you don't want to deal with your sin, that's all up to you. First John nine says this. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Okay. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Now when you first get saved, we just have a little bit of understanding of the Word of God. And so our, our walk is hesitant. And if it was completely pitch black in here, David said it like this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And he says, Your word is a lamp and it is a light unto my feet. And you will lead me in the path of righteousness. And, and you will open up a, 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 and, de- and reveal a plain path towards me. And so in order for me to stay in liberty, the Lord says, when I get saved, this is the liberty. And so then Peter wrote and he says that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So as I begin to grow in God's word, my path gets a little clearer and it gets a little clearer and it gets a little clearer and it gets a little clearer. Now, now I have a clear path before me, but it is still a very narrow way because the word of God is always a flashlight. It is never a floodlight. Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life. So my job is to keep his word in here and walk in this. And if I will keep myself, Jude says, hey, beloved, keep yourself in the love of God. Stay in the love of God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Keeping yourself in the love of God. So by praying in the Spirit, I bring my body into subjection, I bring my mind, I bring my emotions, I bring everything into subjection subjection and I keep myself right here in the love of God. Then everywhere I go, I'm learning, I'm walking in the spirit. I'm being led by the spirit. God is directing my path. But the moment I say, well, how come I can't go over here? Okay. And then things change. Well, can I still do it? No, that was darkness over there. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Well, can I go back over there? How come I can't do all these other things that I want? Go and do anything you want, but you're not walking in light. And the first John 1, 9 says you no longer are walking in fellowship with God. And so how do I live free? You say, Pastor, what are you talking? I'm talking about standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Today everybody wants to go, "Well, I know it's a death, but can I do this? Can I do this too?" No, if it's not in here, the answer is, what? No. no. Why do we have to explain that? We don't have to explain that, and you need to write this down. God never explains himself. You keep looking for an explanation, and the explanation you get will justify you living like this. I'm a Christian. Are you? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. <laughs> How's your walk? My walk is fine. Man, I didn't see that coming. Okay, you can turn the lights back on. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, how are you trying to help us this morning? Look at it with me, the bottom of that page. The flashlight of God, not the floodlight. His word is a lamp unto my feet, a light into my path, lighting a narrow way, not a broad path. It's the word which I have hidden in my heart that shines for, that I have hidden within, that shines forth from my heart, leading me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, not for mine. I've had people actually ask me this can I do that and still be saved? And I'm kind of go, why would you even ask that question? If you have to ask that question, how many know you already know the answer should be what? No, okay. So, First John, and I put it there so you know I'm not making it up. This is the message that we have heard from him. You say, well, Pastor, you're reading all this Old Testament stuff. Okay, good. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is what? No darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in what? Darkness, we lie and do not practice. Can I be a Christian and still do this? Can I be a Christian and still do that? I can still do this. I, and, and, and then people always justify their conduct with, we're not under the law. Okay, cool. I'm not talking about law, I'm talking about light. But if we walk in the what? Light as he is in the light. See, if, if, if we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The thought of anybody perishing and losing their race and coming under judgment breaks and grieves the heart of God. Why is God so long-suffering? Why is it taking so long for his word to be fulfilled? I have people, friends of mine, that have completely adjusted their Bible, their, their perceptive of what the Bible says concerning the return of the Lord because it's been so long since Jesus has been crucified. If he's going to come back, he should have come back before now is what they say. So they modified their perception of the word of God. Stay with me. Why is it taking so long? Number one, because God is a gracious God. And he gives individuals and humanity time. Because when his judgment does come, it will be completely just. When you read the book of Revelation, when you go to the end of your Bible, and you read literally the judgment of God upon the Word, the revelation of Jesus Christ literally tells us that there is a future day, there is a great white throne of judgment coming, and on that day, every person, every human being, all of humanity, passed Present and future will stand and give an account before the judgment seat of God. And God is going to pronounce a final judgment. And that judgment is going to end with some people going to eternity and hell for all of eternity. He said, Well, Pastor, why is God so long-suffering? Because the thought of doing that and pronouncing that judgment is so severe that God gives us such great grace and space for repentance. Because when his judgment does come, it will be completely just. All of his judgments are righteous and just. Now let's go back to Achan real quick. I just have to interject that. What did what did God say? He said, Don't touch it. Jericho belongs to me. You destroy every bit of it. It is holy. It is the first fruits of the land. It It belongs to me. It is consecrated to me. The rest of the land belongs to you. You'll get spoils out. This part is sacred and it is holy. Don't touch it. What did he do? God told them, don't do it. Have you ever told your kids, don't do it? And then you, back in our day, when we were told not to do it, we literally got spanked. Today, you just go sit down and think about it. But if if you violate it, you got, and and then they go, why am I getting, you were told, you were warned in advance. And how many know what I'm saying? And so when God judges, it's righteous and it's just, stay with me. I have to finish this real quick. Because hear this, hell is permanent judgment. Hear me this morning. Pastor, why do you talk like this? Why do you preach this way? You're going to get this here in the next three minutes. Hell is permanent judgment. It is final. There will be no reprieve, no pardon, no parole. God has spoken and revealed the end from the beginning so that every person will have made a conscious and informed choice about their eternal destiny. There is nobody going to hell who did not make a choice. But hear me this morning. He God does not gloat or hang the coming impending judgment over their heads. He does not revel in the day that he will finally judge humanity for its sin. He breaks, he weeps, he endures, he hopes for their repentance so that he would not have to judge anyone. Do you hear me this morning? Friday morning as I went down to pick up J.D. and bring him home and we watched him. So I go down I'm listening to a man on the radio preaching and I'm listening to him read the impending judgment that's coming and, he, and, he, and he's declaring it with the severity and with the harshness. This world is reprobate. It is sinful. It is going to hell and we will see the final judgment. And it's like we're joyful over a day that people are going to spend eternity in hell and they will finally get their just due and their comeuppings and Life, and God shouted at me he says that is not my heart a shout came up in my spirit and said that's not why I put it in there God did not put the the, the, the warning of judgment so we in our self-righteousness can stand up and look at people who are no worse than we were and maybe less and say to them you will get yours To say to the Supreme Court, you will get your, you will get this, you will get that. That's not why it's in the book. It's in there so that we would go, oh... No. How do I avoid? How do I do that? What do I have to do? I don't. That's how you lose the race. How do you win the race? Why does the reader to Hebrews read those verses over and over and over as he's writing this to the Hebrew? Don't miss it. Keep pressing. Stay on track because the heart of God is not to destroy anyone. He created humanity to love. He made, He made us out of Himself. So we could be joined back. When, when, when Luke and Carly two weeks ago got married. When, when, yesterday when Austin and Jessica get married. And, 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 and you're watching that. And God made woman out of man. So they could be joined back together. And walk in love. And then all this garbage gets in there. And it, and it destroys his relationship. But the relationship was made to be a unity of love. You were formed out of God. To be joined by God. He wanted somebody who would choose to love him. He says, I'll make something from me and and I'll make it in such a way that my heart will be broken without them joining back to me. Are you hearing me this morning? We should never read and pronounce. Bill, can you come please quickly. The coming judgment of Scripture upon the people for their sins. It's only revealed as a warning, not a topic of rejoicing. We should be like God our Father and weep, knowing that unless they repent, they will either enter an eternal place of torment beyond anything man can even comprehend. People wonder, well, why did we build the Lord's gym? Why are we giving backpacks away to our community? Why do we want to go out on August 22nd and do nice things? Because maybe, maybe, will reach one person. Maybe one person would open their heart to the love of God. Because friends, as you go through this day today, as you drive out of here, maybe you have to go to the store and buy something for lunch. When you see that person at the checkout counter, if they don't know Christ, if they don't come to know Him before they leave this world, they have a destiny stamped on their soul and it's an eternal judgment. God said, I don't, I don't want anybody to perish. Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and he wept. He wept because they were sheep without a shepherd. Men had got so caught up in their own way. They were consumed about their own uh, lives and their own tradition that they forgot about broken people. They were people in bondage and he comes into church and he came into the synagogue and all this tradition was in there and God wasn't even present. And he said, this woman has been bound by the devil for 18 years and the love of God came in there and set her free. God is the great liberator, not the judger. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to judge the world, but that the world through me might be saved you hearing me this morning? Drag, I pray, my prayer for you is that you could hear that shout of God that I heard. It rocked me Friday morning. I'm listening. It's like the Holy Spirit said, that's not me. I'm here to draw people to Christ, to reveal Christ, not to beat them down. Those pictures up, Luke. First one. Let me read the last of this. Say, Pastor, why are you so dominant on this? There's a plant in Central America which is often shown to the visitor. It's known, and I have this broken down a little bit on the last page, not all of it. It's known as a Mad Apollo or killing tree. It's a botanical boa constrictor. This parasitical growth often begins its life by being blown into the fork of a tree by the wind or carried by a bird or another animal into the tree. And it's actually, this tree is actually like a fig tree. The fruit is like a fig and it has a bunch of little seeds, just little itty-bitty seeds on the inside of it. And when those seeds get deposited in the top of another tree, of a host tree, It takes root by clinging to the bark. It lives on the lifeblood of the tree as it starts its growth. And soon sprouts tiny tendrils which grow slowly towards the ground. Hear this. When it comes to, a lot, to live on a tree, it appears to be quite harmless. But the fact is, is that the moment it arrives, death begins for its victim. These trees, that, that, that seed, you see those tentacles. Yeah, It was just a little seed that got up there and it sprouted living and drawing its life off of the lifeblood of that tree. And then pretty soon it sends down a tentacle. And then as it begins to get stronger, it begins to grow around it. Go to the next one, Luke. And then pretty soon, just all these tentacles are coming down and it's taking over and the tree is being transformed and the very appearance and the nature of the tree is being transformed. Go to the next one, Luke. Until it's fully engulfed by that seed. And the host tree on the inside is completely eaten up and dissolved. And the only thing that remains is that. And you go up and, and you can't even find it. It's just a, a hollowed out shell on the inside. The mat Apollo drops its roots to the ground and secures a permanent foundation. Then begins to encircle the healthy tree and imbibes its life from hundreds of points. After the few months, the parasite is flourishing with life and growing rapidly. Though it is an ugly growth, and the once healthy tree begins to show signs of disease and decay. The great tree loses its leaves, its strong limbs drop from the lack of life, and ultimately it perishes while wrapped around it. From the base of the trunk to its top is a hideous serpentine vine. It looks so pitiful that a stranger can scarcely realize that it, once, it was once a giant of strength and a specimen of grace and beauty. It amazes a visitor to learn that the great tree was defeated by a small insignificant seed which chanced to fall on its boughs. In the lives of humans, there are little things by which, which by growing in our lives become big things. Frequently, they appear to be entirely innocent, but become deadly to our moral and spiritual life. They choke the fruit bearing strength of character and virtue. They become the very tentacles of Satan, which entwine our souls, depositing, the, despoiling the once choice life. We must deal with these tiny seeds before they become strong and capable of utter destruction. Father, today, Lord, it is your will that every person in this room, Run their race to win. Father Paul said that we must run purposely. That we must run. Deliberately. That we must be diligent. In how we walk. Father your word says that we are not ignorant. Of the devil's devices. How he would come. Father help us in this day of casual. Complacency to hear your admonition, to be sober, to be vigilant. My friend, you need to be sober and vigilant over your personal life, over your personal walk, in your relationships, in your marriages, in every area of your life. The enemy comes. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, but the enemy comes. The thief This seed comes, a small seed, but it's coming as a thief and it comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have to quit because we're over time, but I'm going to do this. I'm not praying for you. I'm not doing anything. This morning, you need to understand there's something about an altar and finding a place of prayer. And this morning, if there's anything in your life that you need to put on an altar. Not to come here and just do anything. The altar is not a campfire where we come and feel warm for a moment. The altar is a place where you come and something is placed there. And the consuming fire of God just destroys that. It takes it up. It's consumed in the presence of God. And you leave it there and you walk out again walking in while well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I feel like there's some people here that need to move to this altar this morning. The Spirit of God had me going a lot of different directions. You might be here somebody, maybe you're dealing with offense. Maybe there's small things and temptations in areas that have come in their life. It might be in relationships. It might be in areas. Maybe you become that sensitive plan. Have you become sensitive in area, Are you become touchy-feely? Do you pull back? Are things differing? Are, 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 are you walking? Are you finding excuses for where you're going? It's okay. This is okay. Do we have all those religious answers maybe you need to move right now but move quickly right now don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't be casual. The devil says, "Oh, don't, 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 don't embarrass. Don't do it." I could care less what the devil thinks. I care less about anything than what you think. If I need to be before God, I'm getting on my faith. This is about my eternal destiny. This is about my soul. This is about my family. This is about the church that God has called me to pastor. My actions, my life, are connected to other people. I can't afford to be casual. I can't afford to be complacent. I can't afford to be insensitive. I need to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made me free and we need to stand in Jesus name hallelujah father today help us help us help us help us God to win father today break our heart with yours father forgive us of judging the sin of the world instead of weeping forgive us for pronouncing your promise to judge instead of praying for your promise to save. God, save our county. Lord, this is where we live. Save our homes, God. Save our neighborhoods. God, save this county, God. Father, as we go out this coming month, God, Holy Spirit, Prepare hearts. Father, that we could love on people. Lord, as these kids come this Saturday, God, hundreds of kids come. Father, let them feel your love. God, let them know you love them so much that their hearts would be open to receive more than a backpack, more than supplies. God, they would receive your love. Your son is their savior. Father, touch families this Saturday. Oh, God, touch families. God, help us reach our community, God. Help us love the lost around Forgive us. Help us, Father. Jesus. Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. I love you. Have a blessed afternoon. Come join us Tuesday. Have a blessed day. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.